We are in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. Uh, if we look at Mark, what we look at, actually go back to chapter 1, and uh, we've got a series of stories. We've got the man with leprosy. Uh, these stories, there's, there's a series of stories that are in chapter 2, but we could start with a man with leprosy. Uh, who Jesus healed, and then he tells him, go to the temple, offer the sacrifice. But the man went ahead and told everyone. So here's Jesus is clearly following the law. In fact, it's d- detailed in Leviticus, the sacrifice the man was supposed to make. But instead, the man went out and told everybody, uh, and Jesus no longer could go into uh, the city. He had to stay outside. So that is that story. Uh, but then starting in chapter 2, the very first story in chapter 2, is the man that he heals and he forgives his sin. And we now begin a series of stories where Jesus has some kind of a conflict, but when he forgives the the sins of the man, uh, the people, the the critics, the scribes, uh, they're thinking uh, that you can't forgive sins unless you're God, and Jesus knows this. What they're thinking is, is, what is it harder to do? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk, so that you may know that the Son of Man, key phrase, has authority on earth to forgive sins, take up your mat and walk. So Jesus indicates here, by their own words, that the Son of Man, or himself, that he is God. I mean, they basically made a statement or were thinking thoughts that gave him credit for being the Son of God. Uh, Jesus uses, again, this is important as we go through this, is the only one who's using the phrase Son of Man in the book of Mark, and he's using it when he's talking about his suffering, even when he talks about his glory. And this comes out of Daniel, where uh, Daniel sees one like the Son of Man seated on the throne in glory. And Jesus picks up on this. So Jesus, if he's going to be suffering in the plan of God as the Messiah, or if he's going to be coming back in glory as the Messiah, as the Son of God, he, he refers to the Son of Man. Like the Son of Man, uh, well, we're going to see it again tonight. But anyway, the Son of Man has ability to forgive sins which identifies him as god and that's the first conflict we may not want to keep this story the leper story the healing of the leper with these other ones but i'd like to put it there because it kind of sets the 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 tone of this the second one in there is is the story of levi but there is a banquet and jesus is invited to he calls a levi a tax collector who's outside uh, jewish culture because he's gone over to the side of the romans and he has a bunch of tax collectors come over to his house. He has a banquet. Jesus is invited, and other sinners come. And when we think of sinners, again, I point this out, they're sinners in the eyes of the religious leaders. They're not necessarily what, you know, drug addicts and what we'd say, you know, the sinners that are whatever. They're just sinners that are outside the religious framework. Uh, they're in a nice house. They're having a banquet. And Jesus goes to the banquet, and uh, they're wondering, why is Jesus at this banquet? And he was invited, but he ends up, the story ends up as he talks that evening, that he ends up, he was, Levi was the host that invited Jesus, but Jesus was at this banquet actually inviting these people to his own banquet. So Jesus, as the process goes, Jesus becomes the host of these sinners and tax collectors who are now coming into the kingdom. And so that's the second conflict. And then we've got the conflict about fasting last week. And as we see, the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, ask, 
why do artists or the Pharisees disciples fast and John's even John the Baptist disciples fast but your disciples are not fasting and the answer to that was the wedding and he gives him a couple examples uh, the wedding feast you, if you go to a wedding you're, you're there to celebrate you're not there to fast and you'd be out of place if you're at a wedding fasting they put a lot of money into it, a lot of time they've got food everybody's celebrating but you're sitting over here in the corner uh, having some religious experience fasting and it's like the wrong place wrong time and the f- idea that he's not saying it was wrong for the pharisees to fast he's not saying it was wrong for the john the john the baptist and his disciples to fast but he is saying that his disciples realize what time it is that he, jesus is the bridegroom and they are the guests at the wedding jesus in a sense has started the banquet we hear have here that he's the host he, in a sense, has already started. He's going off inviting people, and they are starting the celebration already. It is no longer a time for fasting. It's a time now to celebrate. If you understood the time, you would be celebrating. And then Jesus gives two examples. He uses the example of the wine in the wineskin. You don't put new wine or fresh wine in an old wineskin. You're going to ruin the wineskin and ruin the wine. And he uses other, another example. Uh, what, what was it? I just forgot it. Um, the uh, oh the clothes the the cloth you don't take a, a new piece of cloth and put it on an old garment you would rip the garment if when it, when you washed it and what takes place here is he's talking about this is something new it was appropriate for the Pharisees to anticipate the kingdom of God but now the kingdom of God is here and the old is going to have to be set aside the old clothes the old wineskin is going to be set aside because something new is beginning and Jesus here is the bridegroom uh he is again the messiah so throughout this he's the host of the banquet he's the bridegroom at the wedding he and he's going to oh let's we'll come back to that he's the son of man forgiving sins but yet he is obeying the law tonight if we, we have, the, we'll call it number five. It's number four in the second part of Mark, uh, chapter two. He's now going to be asked about the Sabbath. And the same thing is going to come up here is it's going to come down to the fact that he is the Son of Man. Now, there's going to be a couple answers on why he calls himself the Son of Man and refers to it here. But we've already established the reason. And so you're going to be able to go, and, and you could answer that question when we get it there that the Son of Man just refers to mankind in general, or it refers to Jesus himself. But what we already have talked about and laid out, we've already read, and what I've said is coming in the book of Mark, it can't just be referring to mankind in general. And this is going to be another conflict, that these conflicts are happening because the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, do not recognize who Jesus is. He forgives sin. How can he forgive sins? He is the Son of Man. He's the Messiah. The banquet. Why are you here eating with sinners? I'm not at a a sinner party. I'm at the party inviting them to my banquet. I have a banquet. Why aren't they fasting? Because I am starting something new. The kingdom of God that you've been waiting for is here. And and why are they, why are your disciples not observing the Sabbath? And Jesus is going to answer that tonight. And basically the answer in all of these cases is Jesus is. Uh, the son of man jesus is the messiah and the reason you're having trouble understanding what he's doing is you don't understand who he is so here it is chapter 2 uh, uh verse 23 through 28 again what's also just as we go by this what's interesting 
is the, the call of Levi, uh, the, the, the healing of the, the, the lame man, the question about fasting now the day of the Sabbath. Each of those are a little story. And I, and I don't think we need to think of them as a series of events that are taking place. Remember, Mark, even as the church historians talk about what Mark did, he wrote down accurately the things that Peter taught, but he didn't put them in a sequential order. This is not, this is not like, and then this happened, and then because Mark will say, and then immediately, or they go here, they do this. And Jesus is traveling in Galilee, we know that. We've already got a kind of a story going. They went to the tabernacle, they went to Peter's house, they had the evening, they got up the next morning, they're looking for Jesus. Jesus began to travel through Galilee. So we do have a sequence of events, but chapter two here are f- these stories that are like we just talked about. They're little snapshots of what's taking place. They may be stories about Jesus introducing himself and how the, the Pharisees, the rabbis, were trying to process who he is and what he's doing. So again, the idea here is not to try to put all of these like in a sequence, but almost like they're little stories of the conflicts that he had. So here it is, cha- which the conflicts were him revealing himself to the leaders. Chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath. Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Again, unlawful is an interesting word, uh, or at least concept, because unlawful according to who? The law of Moses or the boundaries that the Pharisees have built around the law of Moses? Uh, the religious system they built around the Word of God. Again, this is their situation, but we've got the same thing. We've got the Word of God, which is life, but people can go ahead, religious leaders can sometimes build a fence around it, trying to make sure that you obey it, but you never really get to it. You're just following rules and regulations. You have like, this is the, what, this is, this is the way a Christian is. So that you just kind of shoot for that target while well, you just start doing Christian things and talking Christianese, but you really don't know the Word of God. And y- the idea here would be stop trying to be a Christian, especially when the politicians talk about what Christians should be doing. Forget what Christians should be doing. Forget speaking Christianese and get in the Word, and the Word will transform you into a true Christian. Now, the thing is, once, once or as you are being transferred in, transformed into becoming a Christian, as the Word of God is making that change, it may not match the religious system's definition or the, the framework they've built around it. And the same thing is here. These religious leaders have built a framework around the law to help people keep it, follow it, make sure they don't violate it. And in a sense, it was good intentions, but everybody was following the regulations and they never got into actually understanding the the law itself and its purpose and so they're outside well here it is they're they're doing something that was unlawful the disciples on the sabbath now again we'll we'll talk about if that was unlawful or not okay they say why are your disciples doing what is unlawful on the sabbath because they're walking and they were picking grain two things walking and picking grain you could only walk about half a mile it was 1,999 paces on the Sabbath, or about half a mile. And you couldn't harvest on the Sabbath. So they're not picking up on the walking part uh, in the conversation here, uh, the Pharisees. They're coming after the fact that they are harvesting 
on the Sabbath. Jesus' answer, verse 25, which again, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at it in the Old Testament. He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? Now he's referring to an Old Testament story of David. And we'll look at it. Uh, In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, that would be the tabernacle at Nob, which is just a little northeast of Jerusalem. It's kind of just, just across the Kidron Valley. It's a high place where the, the tabernacle was set up. In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, the tabernacle, and ate the consecrated bread. That was the bread of presence set on the table across from the lampstands in the tabernacle uh, in the holy place, not the most holy place. But they gave David and his men the consecrated bread that was set there for the priests to eat because they needed food. And it says, uh, He entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So David is eating the bread, but he also gave it to his companions who are traveling with him. Jesus establishes a presence, meaning here's something David couldn't eat. But yet the high priest gave it to him to eat, and David gave it to his men to eat. And that, that's his, that's his that right, right there, just kind of like, what, what's that got? That's not even the Sabbath. That's bread in the tabernacle, and it's David who was hungry. What's this got to do with anything? Uh, and they, Jesus is using right here a rabbinical style of teaching where you, to, you have a question, but you go back and you find an example and you build a case for it, and then you take that and apply the principle you got out of this, this particular case to your situation. And that's what Jesus does right here. He's just following a t- style of teaching. But here's the kicker, verse 27. Then he said to them, and he's going to say two things. He gives them a scripture. Just like last week, he used the wedding feast, and then he gave the two examples, the clothes, the old garment, and the wineskin. Here he gives a scripture And now he's going to make two points. Then he said to them, number one, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's his first point. And then building on that, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. There is even a Lord over the Sabbath. And so we'll we'll get into that, some details on what that means. First of all, going to the notes. On page one, just some interesting things here to put this in perspective. Uh, we've got the English Standard Version there and the Greek, and these notes are online right underneath the, uh, the video feed on generationword.com, uh, but we've got them here also, and uh, there's only four pages with the Greek on it and the transliteration and the translation. The English Standard Version says, One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So uh, what they're doing, they're, just, they're, they're going from point A to point B. We don't know how far they're going. If they're following the Sabbath, it's only about half a mile, which it's, it's possible to go half a mile. Maybe they're just, I don't know, they, they're going to visit somebody. I don't know. And, and as they go through a field, they're just reaching over and just you know pulling grain up, the seeds off the, the stem, and then probably grinding it in their hand, getting rid of the husk, and then eating the grain, the seed, for food. 
And that was lawful in the law of Moses to do. uh, I've got it written down here. If you were walking through a neighbor's field or you're going by someone's field, it was allowed in law. You couldn't harvest their crop, but you could pick an apple off the tree or you could take some grain and eat it on the way by. That was just the way the society was set up. So it was lawful. They weren't stealing, but they're doing it on the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath said, the rules of Mo- Moses talks about not, not harvesting, but are these people harvesting? And, 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 and here's how it builds. Here it develops. Here's some points. Point A, the, uh, the Sabbath was sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday. So when the sun went down on Friday night, all Friday night, this would ruin Friday night football, Friday night movies, date night, you know, that's the Sabbath. So you go to Jerusalem, Thursday night's kind of the big night, right? Thursday night's the big night. And then because when the sun goes down on Friday, it's, it's the Sabbath. Uh, and then when the sun sets on Saturday night, you're, you're good to go. Just like we saw earlier in Mark chapter 1, they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, on, on, on Saturday, and then as the sun set, then everybody left their homes and came over to, to Peter's house. It's the fourth commandment. It's the longest commandment. It's in Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. And it is based on creation. This is going to be kind of an important idea here as we go through this. It originated with creation. On the, God created all the days of creation. He created the animals. He creates man on day six. And then on day seven, God rested. And so this comes out of uh, creation where God rests, and it is God himself that is doing the rest. So man was already created, and then the Sabbath came. And man, as we see in Hebrews, is invited into this rest. And it plays into a bigger picture here that the rest is in Christ. But it comes out of creation. It was an institution uh, created uh, at the beginning. So it goes clear back to, to that time. Uh, the Jews needed to observe the Sabbath, as did their slaves, their animals, and their vegetation, if you want to consider the fact that they couldn't do any harvesting or touch the vegetation. They just had to leave it alone. Uh, point G begins to build on this a little bit, but many of these stipulations were developed after the law was given to Moses and out of the practice of observing the Sabbath law. So Moses was given it, and they had these institutions or these laws, but like I said, they began to build boundaries around them, or they needed to, inter- what does it mean? How far does this go? And so they, they had to come up with some ideas. First of all, under point G, the Mishnah, we're talking about the Mishnah and the Talmud. Uh, the Mishnah is a collection of Jewish oral tradition. So you've got... Uh, here we go. I don't want to bore you, but you hear these words thrown around. Torah. That's the first five books. That's the books of Moses. And that is what we have. We have, in a sense, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Talmud was now the oral traditions. This would be, for example... Uh, again, this is a lame example, but we have a Bible, but all my audio would be the Talmud, me explaining the Bible. So this is the Word of God. This is Galen's audio, teaching about the Word of God. Okay, it, it, it's 
they were better teachers and stuff. But this is, and again, it's, it's years of all the oral traditions handed down as they a- ask questions, explains. This is like their theology book explaining the scriptures, but it's oral. Then, eventually, the Talmud is going to be written down, and that is the Mishnah, and the Mishnah is going to be a commentary explaining the Talmud, which is explaining the Torah. So this would be the written commentary on the oral traditions used to explain the Word of God, if that makes sense. Okay, then I, I said it wrong. Mishnah, collection of the Jewish... Collection of Jewish oral teachings. Oh, I did. Thank you. Gosh. Rewind that. Mishnah is the oral teaching, right? Thank you. And the Talmud would be the commentary. Thank you for straightening that out. I'm just scribbling now. Okay. But uh, this is what... This is where we're going to get some serious, you've got the Word of God, but now you're going to have the oral traditions and then the commentary explaining, and things are going to start getting built up and stacked up and get more details. And here's some of the details you can come out of this. Um, uh, The Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, uh, they would say they forbid carrying, this is what was found in their documents, uh, forbid carrying children. You couldn't carry a child on the Sabbath. Uh, you couldn't, uh, could not assist an animal who was giving birth on the Sabbath. And, amazingly, if an animal fell into a pit, you couldn't get the animal out of the pit on the Sabbath, according to Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, remember, Jesus even mentions, he says, when he healed a lame person, he says, you guys will even take an, uh, help an animal out of a pit if it falls in a pit, you know, falls in a ditch on the Sabbath. The Dead Sea Scrolls, the Essenes, had gone one step further, and they would say, no, we won't. We won't even go get an animal out of the pit on the Sabbath. So you can see the, the, the Essenes or the Dead Sea commitment was greater than the Pharisees, although the Pharisees were very committed. Uh, and I write that. The Pharisees and the rabbis were only a little less extreme than the Essenes. The Mishnah, the oral tradition, a list 39 things of work that are not allowed on the Sabbath. Some of them are obvious. Plowing, hunting, butchering. But also, tying or untying a knot, no. Sewing more than one stitch or writing more than one letter. So I guess you could write one letter, but you couldn't write two letters. Otherwise, that, that, that is not in the Torah. That is in the Mishnah explaining what the torah meant or people probably how how much writing can we do they probably had a discussion and people taught different things and they came up with the conclusion you could write one letter without violating the sabbath and that's where they're going to get certain things like the distance and and how far they could walk uh uh point five underneath g a general rule was not to do anything not necessary which meant unless it is life-threatening. So just to kind of sum it up, if it was not life-threatening, uh, you, you, you couldn't do it. Even if a building fell, if a building or roof, roof collapsed, you could move the material to see if someone was in there, and you could rescue them. But if someone had been killed, you leave them there until tomorrow. So that would be a matter of life and death. And uh, 
that's, that, that's kind of the ideal of, of their general practice of how far they would go with it. If you, if you could get by without doing it, is it going to kill you? Then don't do it. Well, if it's, how did I say that? I said that wrong. If, it's, if you needed to do it to stay alive, then you can do it. But if, if, you're, if you're not going to die, you don't need to do it. Uh, then I write down point two, kind of what Jesus was walking and he was plucking grain. So they ask him, uh, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And I just write point one there. It might be considered unlawful only because of the Mishnah or the Talmud. It may not actually be unlawful in the law of Moses. And now you've got right here, and we already know this, but Jesus is building up to it. Uh, you have we, you have God. You have the Son of Man who is here, and they're telling him this is, again, this is unlawful, and now the Son of Man is going to be able to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, I'm the authority on this. I'm the, I'm the one who rested for the first time. I'm the one who made man, and I'm the one who gave man the law. Uh, so I think I know what I'm doing is, is one of the ways of, of this coming together. Uh, so the unlawful, that's not necessarily true. It's just their opinion. But Jesus is going to go even somewhere further with this. He's going to use this to do the same thing he did before, that he's going to use this, that Jesus is the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is God. He's going to use this whole thing to bring that point out again. So here we go, verse 25. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? I'll read the next verse. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar. I'm going to write this down because this also, just like the Talmud and the Mishnah and the Torah, my definition, my wording got turned around. We are going to have a guy named, and we're going to go look at this, Abiathar, the high priest. Uh, his father was Ahimelech. David, when we get to the story, David is actually going to go to Ahimelech, the high priest, who was active at that day. Here it says, Abiathar. They went to Nob, the city of Nob, where the tabernacle was. At this time, David is an outlaw, and we're going to read it, in, in, in Saul's kingdom. David had become a great leader, a great general. The people loved David more than they loved Saul, so Saul thought. So he began to try to kill David, put him on impossible missions. David is successful, even wins Saul's daughter in a, in a, in a challenge. And now his daughter sides with David, and he's chasing David. He's trying to kill David, so David is on the run. And uh, he stops by the tabernacle, and Ahimelech is the high priest. And remember, Ahimelech's going to help him, but Doeg, one of the helpers in the temple is going to go tell Saul that Ahimelech gave David the bread and helped him, assisted him. He's also going to give David uh, Goliath's sword, which is interesting. Goliath's sword had been used by David to cut off Goliath's head, and it ended up in the tabernacle, kind of like a trophy of war, and that is given to David also by Ahimelech. <coughs> when Doeg tells Saul <coughs> that Ahimelech has conspired to help David, who is an outlaw in Saul's eyes, Saul goes up and slaughters 
the entire priesthood, slaughters them in, 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 in Nob. Abiathar escapes, is the only one who escapes with the ephod. That's the, 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 the garment that he, they wore over the chest that included the, uh, the breastplate with the Urim and Thummim in it. Uh, he escapes with the ephod and goes and joins David in the wilderness. So Abiathar was there when his family, including his father, was all slaughtered. He's the only one that escaped. So that's, that's what's going to take place here. So anyway, we're going to talk about that a little bit here. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar. That's, that's the English Standard Translation, in the time of Abiathar. Uh, if you look, oh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Look in the Greek right there where it says verse 26 and you can see the greek letters you can see the greek transliteration and then you can see the greek straight up translation how he entered into the house of god that would be the tabernacle in abiathar the high priest so that would be in the days of it says abiathar the high priest now this again this has been challenged at different times because when David entered the tabernacle, it was in the days of the high priest Ahimelech. But it was also in the days of Abiathar, because Abiathar was alive. He just wasn't the high priest until, you know, later, later in the day when Saul came and killed everybody. So that, that becomes a contention because it's like, and there is, I'll show you a couple of verses too, where there is even uh, the genealogies recorded. Anyway, that's, uh, we'll look at that. Uh, and he ate the bread of presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. There it is. You've got the law that only the priest can eat this. But now the high priest is giving it to David. And David also gave it to those who were with him, which is against the law. But what? why is the high priest giving this bread away? And the point is going to be the high priest is considering the needs of David and his men above this ritual law and that's where jesus is going to say the law was given to man man was not given to the law and he's and he said to them the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath let's go back and look uh on page two i want to go ahead and go to first samuel chapter 21 and just read this account because i've referred to it and uh i want it to this is the 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 source of the scripture that jesus is referring to first samuel 21 um again first samuel is a great story you can see in if you go if you have your i've got like an niv bible here chapter 18 of first samuel is titled saul's jealousy of david that's not in the scripture but that's the title they give that chapter uh and all these things were taking place. There were Saul's realizing that David is becoming more popular. Chapter 19, Saul tries to kill David. He has a couple little tricks he tries to play. Uh, David, uh, David flees. David, in chapter 20, David meets up with Jonathan. Because Jonathan, he tells Dave, David tells Jonathan, your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan says, no way. He says, you're number one general. He says, you go in and you tell him, I, I, he wants me to come to the feast tonight and I'm not going to come. You tell him I had important business down in my hometown, Bethlehem, with my own family. He says, and you see how your dad responds. So Jonathan goes along with it. 
oh, David, uh, they, they, uh, Saul asks, where's the son of Jesse at tonight? Uh, and Saul says, or D- Jonathan says to his father, Saul, he couldn't make it. He had family business. And he gets, Saul gets very angry at Jonathan and says, why have you conspired with that son of Jesse? And then uh, that's in verse 30 of chapter 20. And that's where Jonathan goes off and tells David, uh, because there's a sin- sign, you remember they had a sign, that when he get, comes out of the meal, David's out waiting in the woods there, and Jonathan's going to come out with his, his uh, ar- armor bearer, one of his servants. He's going to shoot an arrow, and the servant's going to run and get an arrow. What a fun job. Uh, it's like playing catch with, with somebody, but they, you just throw the ball, they go get it and bring it back. Uh, and as the servant is looking for the arrow, if Jonathan says, uh, it didn't go that far, it's on this side, David is to come in, everything's fine. But if the servant goes and looks for the arrow and it's further out, he's going to say, no, no, it's further out. I shot it further than that. That's a sign to David that you're in trouble. You better run and hide. And that's what takes place in chapter 20. And then David and Jonathan, they go out and meet together and they cry because they're seeing each other for the last time. And very interestingly, just as a side note, Jonathan realizes that David is the anointed king. He's going to be the next king. And Jonathan is willing to side with David. He's willing to serve in David's court uh, without taking the crown from his, you know, taking the throne and then trying to fight David. So he's willing to submit to it. Again, to Jonathan's honor, when Saul marches off the battle against the Philistines to go to his death, uh, Jonathan is the crown prince. He doesn't go hide with David. He does what the crown prince should do. He marches with his father to his own death, which is, again, that's how Second Samuel begins with the David writing a song to them. But nonetheless, chapter 21, after they had met, we read the last verse 42 of chapter 20, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, or in the name of Yahweh, saying, Yahweh is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. Chapter 21. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Meaning David, he comes up like on a spy mission. It's like, oh my gosh, this can't be good. David answered Ahimelech, the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand, which is interesting. We don't have any, there's no food here. I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here. So that is very interesting. That kind of gives you a picture of how the d- direction Saul had taken the kingdom. There was no food in Nob. He couldn't say, well, we do have some pancakes left over. I do have some whatever. There's nothing here. The only food in, in town is what's in the tabernacle, the, the loaves of bread. Um, David, uh, he says... Uh, uh as for uh okay but the priest says if i don't have any ordinary bread on hand however there is some consecrated bread here provided the men have kept themselves from women david replied indeed now david's lying here indeed david replied indeed women have been kept from us as usual whenever i i set out 
the men's things are holy even on missions that are not holy how much more so today so the priest gave him the consecrated bread david lies to the high priest the high priest gives david the consecrated bread that only the priest can eat because he's on a mission for the king he's uh there's no other food available uh since these there's no bread there except the bread of the presence that have been had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by the hot bread on the day it was taken away. So they replaced them every week. They replaced those loaves. Now, one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite. Again, a foreigner. Saul's head shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? Now, now here's, here's the get, get warning. He's on a secret mission and he didn't have time to get food, make any preparations, or even grab a weapon. Which, if you're watching some kind of a movie, you're like, wait a minute, this is not working out right. But he says, do you have any kind of a sword or a spear or something I can have? Uh, the priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, that's the high priest's garments, if you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David says, there is none like it. Give it to me. And then David fled, began to flee, uh, and he flees from there. He goes over to the Philistine land of the Philistines with Goliath's sword. Uh, and you can see David is making things up as he's going, and things are deteriorating. And what comes up next, if you look in chapter uh, uh, 22, verse 6, now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, uh, uh, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm trying to read, read where they, he goes up and kills, you know, Saul goes up and kills uh, the, the priest uh, there in Nob. So anyway, that's the story that, they, that Jesus is referring to, which is an interesting story. It's not a, a noble story. It's almost like Hebrews chapter 11. You've got the hero of faith, uh, lying to the priest, making up a story, and he's kind of looking for direction, and no men are meeting him. He's just out trying to survive. He's running from Saul. But the point here that we're going to get to, David is a symbol or the type of, or the, uh, the forefather, we'll just say forefather, of the Messiah. The, the Messiah is going to be the son of David. And so Jesus is going to be focusing on David, not his character, just like the book of Hebrews on chapter 11. We're looking at David and, and who he was in God's plan. David is a type of the Messiah, and Jesus is this Messiah. And even David had a situation where the law was set aside in a very sketchy, shadowy situation and he was given the bread of the presence that only the priest could eat. David was given this bread uh, because David needed the bread. So the priest made a decision, even though he was deceived, that it's more important for David and his men to have bread, even though they shouldn't have it. We're going to set the law aside and take care of the man. We're going to take care of, in this case, the forerunner of the Messiah. And so that's, that's what's being said right there. Uh, I've got these points on page two, just so you can see the, the confusion, in case you ever bump into it again with this verse where it says uh, Ahimelech, but it's Abimelech, 
but you've got right here. Uh, Abby Athar was a Himelech's son in 1 Samuel 22. There was confusion even in the Old Testament concerning Ahimelech and Abby Athar. 1 Samuel 22, verse 20, Ahimelech is the son of Akitub, or Ahitub, and the father of Abiathar. 2 Samuel 8, 17, and 1 Chronicles 18, 16, Zadok is the son of Akitub, or Ahitub, and Ahimelech is the son of Abiathar. 1 Chronicles 24, 6 calls Ahimelech the son of Abiathar. And then 1 Chronicles 24, maybe the clearest condition here, is you've got Ahitub, or Akahitub, the father of Ahimelech, the father of Abiathar, who is the father of Ahimelech again. So you've got a grandfather and a grandson, both called Ahimelech, and then Abiathar, the one who takes the ephod and runs to David, is the, and that is referred to by Jesus there in the middle. So his father, and his, that was slaughtered by Saul, and his son Ahim, are both called Ahimelech. So anyway, that's kind of just because when you go through uh, you know, people being critical of the scriptures, there's some confusion on that. But anyway, that's what's taking place there. But the issue right here is really that is not about the high priest. Uh, the issue is about David getting the bread. Uh, David and his men were hungry, so they were uh, given the consecrated bread, point five. The law was subservient to David and his needs, and the high priest made that decision that we would make, uh, we would give David the bread. Two things are coming out of this, is you've got man is more important than the law, the needs of man, and also David was the man that received this, and if David was the man that received this, you're going to have the son of man, which is, again, the Messiah in the line of David, that is now talking to these people. And so he's going to bring these two points out now, and we go to page page 3 and chapter 2 verse 27 jesus tells this refers to this story and now he's going to make two points and the first point is chapter 2 verse 27 and he said to them this is his answer they asked why are your disciples uh breaking the sabbath he said well haven't you read the scripture that david broke the law and the high priest gave him the bread okay so what's your point my point is one the sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made, I'll say not made, for Sabbath. In other words, what they had done, what the religious system has done, was taken the Sabbath, which was designed to serve man. man Sabbath is for man. Man needed rest man needed a break man needed some guidelines the whole law was guidelines here's the end the whole law was guidelines not to put man in bondage but to give man life to enhance his life here's how you should live here's how you should govern here's what you should eat you should take a day off this is a why why are you burdening us this is not a burden it's like why, why do we read the Word of God? Well, the Word of God, it's a burden. We've got to do our daily devotions. We've got to read the Bible. We've got to go to church. We've got to go to Bible. It's like, why is this burden? Wait, 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 wait. We are doing this because this is your life. It, it, it is, we, uh, man does not live on bread alone, but by the Word of God. So the Word of God is given to man uh, 
man was not given to, in a sense, the Word of God. Or in this case, uh, considering the, in the, the Word of God, the, the study of Scripture being a burden, the, the Sabbath is to serve man. And so in this case right here, uh, man was not created for the... It wasn't like the Sabbath needed someone to dominate. That man was created... There's this, this identity called the Sabbath out there, and God says the Sabbath needs to rule over something. Let's give the Sabbath man. Man was created before the Sabbath. Man was created before the first Sabbath, the day six. And then on day seven, when man was created, God says, ah, here's what we all need. We are going to take the Sabbath. At the end of this whole thing, there's going to be rest. There's going to be completeness. So the Sabbath was made for man man was made he was complete and now there's going to be the rest even god is going to rest at that point so that is the point right here the law is not a burden to man man is always the most important thing the most important feature that god made he made man in his image and that is the first point that is the first thing jesus says the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath looking down here point two I uh, just write the first points out. He first points out that the law was given to benefit man. Uh, point three, interesting, uh, even a second century rabbi, this would be sometime in the 200s or 100 to 200 AD, a rabbi says this and writes it down and it's recorded, the Sabbath has been given to you. You have not been given to the Sabbath. Now that was a Jew writing, a Jewish rabbi writing, after the time of Christ, after the church was started, he says the Sabbath was given to you, meaning it's, it's to serve you, it's to your benefit. You're not here to serve the Sabbath. Uh, but the religious leaders, again, had flipped it around. They'd put them in bondage uh, to this law. Uh, then, v- verse 28, to build on that, because the Sabbath is given to man, not man for the Sabbath, so with that being said he makes this point and this 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 is like the kicker and somebody's like what's the point he says so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath now there's two ways of looking at that one would be the humanistic way of looking at it not not like secular humanist but just uh man the sabbath was given to man not man to the sabbath and we're focused on man mankind and so that means the man mankind is lord even of the sabbath oops i thought that said sabbath there that man is lord of even the sabbath so whatever man needs the sabbath has to give way that would be the that would be in a sense true if 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 we need to save a life we set the sabbath aside and save the life of man that would be a true sense of the saying but what he is saying here, and this is why you can't say that. I mean, you can, I mean I'm mean, i going to say you can't say that. Because nowhere else in the book of Mark uh, does Son of Man refer to mankind. Son of Man refers to the Messiah. Uh, it refers to Jesus himself. Jesus refers to himself. So when Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the sabbath he's saying so i the messiah which he doesn't call himself but he is the messiah in that position the son of man is lord even of the sabbath and look at this look at the greek again on page four 
Uh, and notice the very, well, it's the, the first word is hoste, which is so then. You know, that's just like the beginning. So then, the point. And the first word of the point is kurios, which is Lord. Now notice that's not Yahweh. Okay, Yahweh is the Hebrew word. Yahweh is the first name of God. This is kurios, which is Lord in the New Testament. It means sir, an honored position. But it also refers, when it says Jesus is Lord, it's the same word used for that. So it, that would be, you know, referring to as God. So uh, Lord, my point there, Lord is the first word. It is, it is the, it is emphatic. It is this whole sentence is about Lord, Lord, the rulership of, and who is the Lord, the Son of Man, wherever I, okay, I got to stop scribbling here, the Son of Man, which is Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. And the point would be this, we've come down now to the Son of Man, and this is who he's introducing himself to. You've got the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was given to man, because man came first, but before that, you've got the creator who is creating man, who's created the Sabbath, then the law was given to benefit man, all these things, and when he says, so the son of man is Lord, he puts himself right back up here as Lord, even of the Sabbath, meaning, I, he's putting himself in the position of the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, or Lord, even the son of man of the Sabbath, He's the one who's able to interpret it correctly. He's putting this in position uh, of they're, they're coming at it with a religious sense that you need to obey the Sabbath. And Jesus says, no, look at, look at the Scriptures. Even the law was set aside for David, the man. Now, that proves that man, the, the, man, the, the law was not given to rule over man, but it was given to serve man. And now, even the Son of Man is lord even of the sabbath uh just like david the forerunner was served on the sabbath now the son of man is going to be able to make this call here and so the two points as we end this is that the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath and the son of man is lord even of the sabbath putting him in a position where he is in a he is here able to interpret the correct meaning of the sabbath you're wrong this is not unlawful go ahead guys you can eat the grain because I'm here, I'm the one who created the Sabbath, I was the one who had the very first Sabbath after creation, after I made mankind, you're good to go, you guys need to realize, Sabbath was not made, for, the Sabbath was made for man, not man to serve the Sabbath, and again, makes that point there. So that is what he's saying right there in those verses, uh, chapter 23 through 28, and uh, that is the end of chapter 28, next week we go to chapter 3, or cha- end, end of chapter 2, we go to chapter 3 next week. And uh, let me just look here and begin. Um, after this, is chapter 3, verse 1. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely. And so this would be, if we were counting, just beginning in chapter 2, the conflicts, 1, 2, 3, 4. We just had our fourth conflict here with the Sabbath. This now would be the fifth. Chapter 3 begins with the fifth conflict with the leaders. And after this right here, it's pretty clear that Jesus is there establishing something new, that he's clearly saying, I am God, I can forgive sins. I'm the Lord, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I will interpret this correctly. You guys can eat. I'm, 
Sabbath was made for man. Uh, I'm the Lord that created it. You're good to go. You guys need to keep learning. And now he, they, they're going to now watch him on the Sabbath, and this is where he's going to heal somebody in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And the authorities that he's been trying to reach and explain having conflicts, very clearly revealing himself. I, I'm inviting them to a banquet. I can forgive sins. I am here so you shouldn't be fasting. You should be joining the wedding celebration. I'm even Lord of the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I'm in charge of the Sabbath. I'll interpret it correctly. And after he makes all this, now he heals someone on the Sabbath. We're going to see it next week. And now their decision is going to be here in chapter 3. What? Well, we need to follow him. We need to submit to him. No, we need to kill him. And so that means, again, we've got a clear break. Uh, after this next story, it says right there, even the NIV, it says, the crowds follow Jesus. Jesus introducing himself. The crowds begin to follow him. But the leadership who do not want this message, they decide to kill Jesus. So this conflict, he, these conflicts help reveal who he is to those who are accusing him, but they do not want the answer, even though they answer it themselves in many cases. So there, that's where we're at in Mark. Again, the key idea here is Son of Man, throughout this, is Jesus introducing himself, not as the, the Messiah, because that's got political connotations. They, they would misunderstand it. He's going to introduce him as the Son of Man uh, from Daniel and other places. He's going to suffer as the Son of Man. He's going to rise as the Son of Man. He's going to be seated in glory and come back in judgment as the Son of Man. All of that is the role, the purpose of God for the Messiah. He doesn't say, I am the Messiah, but he does say the Son of Man is going to do all of these things in fulfillment, which again is another way of saying it without touching that hot button that that talking point of messiah which is completely misunderstood by the people of that time uh, i'll pray and we're done and if you have a question or anything that you want to share you certainly can father do thank you for the chance to look into these things we ask that we may honor jesus and that we'd also honor your word and the law that you provided that we would see things clearly the way you presented them that we would not put things in in a in a misorder or deconstruct it in a way that doesn't make sense but father present it and live it in a way that is clear to to ourselves clear to others that are watching that we may be not just transformed into the image of jesus but also living a as a light that others can see we do thank you for this opportunity in jesus name amen